You're now listening to Real Estate Journeys with Matthew Baltzell. Me on the top and I won't stop me. Me on the top and I won't stop me. Me on the top and I won't stop. Me on the, me on the, me on the top. Yeah, 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 yeah. What's going on, everybody? This is your boy, Matty B, a.k.a. Matthew Baltzell, and welcome back to Real Estate Journeys. The exclusive podcast for new real estate investors who are looking to grow their brand and their business. So today's guest I'm excited to bring to you. His name is Joel Rico. Joel is a professional speaker, coach, and accomplished entrepreneur considered a master in peak sales performance, neuro-linguistics programming, and successful negotiations. His tech Techniques and strategies continue to aid him in coaching his clients. Joel is currently one of the most sought-after sales trainers and for the past decade has been training salespeople, mostly real estate brokers, to better understand their clients and how to structure win-win agreements. This level of training has elevated many of his clients to the top 1,000, top 100, top 50, and even the top 10 active real estate brokers in the country. So with that said, I'd like to jump into it. Joel, welcome to the show. Awesome. Thank you, Matt. Thank you for having me, Matthew. Pleasure to be here. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad to have you on. I know a lot of people, uh, you know, they hear sales and they hear all this like jazz and they they find it very, I'll say off-putting. Could you give us a little bit of information to soothe our, our fears? Yeah. What do people find off-putting? Sales itself? Yeah, yeah, like sales yeah. and you know dealing with brokers, and they find, might find it the whole thing kind of sleazy. Can you can you speak yeah. a little bit about how you can help relieve that stress of sales? Sure, don't be sleazy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, really. So I, I think that um, well, while I know that most people their belief and their experience of sales is kind of manipulative, right? And and forgive me, I, I have a habit of making fun of car salespeople because, you know, they, they sell you, you know, we make jokes about used car salespeople for a reason, right? They're, they're kind of sleazy, they're kind of pushy. And sadly, I think that so many people believe sales is manipulating others, right? I can sell ice cubes to an Eskimo. I, I'm so good at making people do what I want them to do. That That's not sales. That is, I mean, sales is win-win, and so most people look at sales, I believe, most people look at sales as this one-sided thing. I'm going to show up. I'm going to get what I want. I'm going to get my needs met. I'm going to meet my goals. And I don't give a shit about anybody else. I'm, you know, I'm here to get my thing. And I'm going to, you know, contort other people to my will. And sadly, most people, that's been their experience of being sold. And so that's what they think sales is. And I think that's the biggest problem. That isn't what sales is. Mm. Right? Yeah, and I, I think a lot of people think it's a I win, like it's a if you win, I don't yeah. win, so I want to win. Yeah. So somebody's got to win in this scenario. Yeah, I I call that the sales dichotomy, right? The dichotomy is either somebody wins or you know one of us is going to win and one of us is going to be shortchanged, and uh, yeah, I think that's a horrible philosophy, right? I want to look at it as win-win. So I want a voluntary sale. Right. I want us both to be happy and high five. Otherwise, I don't need to sign that deal. Right. Mm. Can you give us a little bit of a background on how you got into sales? Sure. Sure. I was a uh, I was an engineer. My my degree and career. I was a nerdy engineer, smart guy in a cubicle designing stuff. And uh, 
I just got real clear that the companies that I worked for were in it for themselves. And if they didn't like me, they'd hire somebody else out. The, one of the last companies I worked for, I designed a product that sold 300,000 units a month. And they said they couldn't afford a Christmas bonus for anybody. And I didn't deserve a raise. Well, what do you mean a raise? That's, that's why we pay. You have a salary. We give you a salary to design these things. And so, you know, I designed something that made them millions of dollars and no bonus. And I just thought, man, this is not for me. That doesn't work. <laughs> so I saw this uh, get rich quick in real estate thing on late night TV at two in the morning. And I got this crash course. And, and uh, a month later, I went out and bought a couple of these really horrible crack houses and cleaned them up and flipped them and had a good time and made some money. And then in that process, of course, I had to deal with real estate agents to, you know, write offers and blah, blah, blah. And damn, if every real estate agent I met wasn't like full of crap and lying and not their word and ugh, it was awful. And I just <laughs> thought, I can't. I'm, there's no way I'm going to succeed if, if, if those are the people on my team. I'm doomed. So I went and got my real estate license just to, you know, for my own portfolio, just to do my own stuff. But once I became a real estate agent, the people around me, like the other engineers at my company, they were saying things like, you, you have a real estate? Oh, God, please, please come help me. My real estate <laughs> is horrible. Please, please come sell my house. And before you know it, I was a full-time real estate agent making way more money on the side than I was, you know, I was engineering manager of a $30 million company. So I made way more money in real estate and didn't have a boss. And, uh, but you know, that transition into real estate, I was really good with the people that already knew me, already liked me, already trusted me. I was good with numbers. I was, you know, really logical. I was no fluff, no BS, <laughs> none of that crazy realtor hype, but I really quickly got through the people that knew me. And I thought, well, now what do I do? I need to sell the houses of all those other people that I don't know. And so I realized I was kind of a quiet, introverted, nerdy engineer, and I had to learn how to communicate. So I literally signed up for various communication workshops. Uh, I became NLP certified, NLP Master Prac certified. I'm a licensed hypnotist. I've done all kinds of coaching and couples therapy and you name it. Anything that has to do with, you know, getting the message across and, and how the impression shows up and how the message is received by others. It's, it's kind of what I've really focused on. Mm. I, I believe that 99% of arguments and uh, disagreements are not so much that people have opposite viewpoints. It's most of the time it's a misunderstanding or a miscommunication. So I've, I've studied language and communication so much that, you know, I, I can literally hear two people talking and I'm like, well, they're saying the same thing, but they're yelling at each other, right? They're, they're saying, oh, it's like this. And the other's like, no, 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 it's this way. But they're mostly saying the same thing. And so I just learned to like find this common ground and start with like, where do we agree? And then start building from there instead of, oh, you want... You want 500000 for that house? I only want to pay 400000 for that house, right? We have a disagreement. Mm. I want to start with, well, we want to do the transaction, right? You want to sell that house. I'd like to buy the house. We just have a couple of details to work out, mm. right? So I want to find the place where we do agree. So I've heard this before as a kind of like getting them to say yes. Is that correct? Like it's like you want to buy the house. Yes. You want someone to buy the house, correct? Yes. Is that like a, a, a almost like a tactic of like finding a, a common ground? You should always find the common ground of like 
agreeing upon something and building from there? Uh, yeah, you just said two, two things. Yeah. So the first one is I want to find the common ground because, well, for a couple of things. So let me let me back up just a hair. Yeah. So there's a, as an entrepreneur, as a salesperson, I'm clear that my job is that of a professional communicator. So can I communicate what I have to offer? Can I communicate the details of the deal? My job obviously is not, I'm not a mortgage broker. I'm not a contractor. I'm, I'm a communicator. And if you're in sales and if you're an entrepreneur, that's clearly that's your job. So question number one is, do I like this person that I'm talking to or do I not like this person? Does this person like me or does that person not like me? Right. So like me and you, this podcast was set up by your assistant and you and I met face to face, I don't know, six or eight minutes ago. So in this really short six or eight minutes, I feel totally comfortable. Uh, I like you. I trust you. I trust that you feel the same way about me. How did that happen out of nowhere? Like we're not old friends. How does that happen? So that's the first thing to look at. Like, uh, you know, are, are we on the same page? Do I feel like we're on the same team? Does my client, my prospect feel like I'm on their side or do they feel traditional salesperson like I'm trying to manipulate control and get something from them? Okay. So once we have that, right, the feels good and you trust me and I trust you, right? That's called rapport. Rapport is a state of being that's characterized by trust and responsiveness, right? This smooth flow like old friends. So there's tools and techniques that I study and teach to train people, like to cause that to happen. How do you get in rapport instantly with somebody in the first five seconds, even if it's on the phone? How do you do that? There's a, a zillion different tools to handle that. So then step two is, um, the communication itself, you know, communication, uh, every relationship is nothing more than communication. So with your partner, your spouse, whatever, if you guys yell and scream and throw pots and pans at each other, guess what? That's your relationship. But if you guys are nice to each other and you communicate openly and you're honestly, that's the relationship. So those two things control the outcome. So I kind of circled around a little bit. So your question was, what about getting them to say yes? Two things. One, I do want to find the common ground. I want to be optimistic. I want to like find what works. Oh, you want to sell the house. Great. I like to buy houses. Tell me. Tell me about the house. What's inspiring you to sell it? Like, you know, what's important to you about selling this house? And they say whatever they say, blah, blah, blah. I have to sell it because you go, okay, great. And if we could work that out for you, if we could get it sold, and satisfy that need because you need money for, you know, your whatever, what would that do for you? They say, oh, well, that would liberate me. That'd let me pay off these bills. It would let me buy that other property, blah, blah, blah. Okay. So I'm, I'm still just exploring them. Mm. I'm not trying to beat them over the head with my agenda. That's down the road. I'm just exploring possibilities. I don't even have an agenda yet. So I'm saying, so, you know, what would that be like? Okay. Well, what if we could do this? Would that be a possibility? Would you consider like this? Right. So I'm finding what's true for them. And then the other part that you said was, you know, getting them to say yes. Yeah, there's a really easy uh, repeat and approve. So after we talk for a moment, I might say, all right, Matthew, let me let me make sure I got this straight. So uh, you want to sell this house. You'd like to get 450 for it. You're willing to carry some financing, but you need some cash before the end of the month. And uh, you don't have the time or space to do any repairs, right? So notice, <laughs> everybody listening, this is a made-up scenario. Matthew's not selling me a house. And did you notice the whole time I said that, Matthew was going, 
Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> I was. Yep. I was. I'm like, I'm looking at you. I'm like, yeah. yes. That, 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 <laughs> yeah, right? And that, that was just a made-up house. <laughs> mm-hmm. So the goal is, in order for me to be able to do that, I have to be really present with this other person. I have to ask questions. I have to authentically listen to the answer. So in that order, we have to get in rapport. I have to like you, trust you. You have to like me, trust me. Um, I have to ask questions and find out what's available, what's true, what's what's what, where are we starting? And then once I have, you know, and what do you want? Like, what goals are you trying to fulfill? What would be a, like, I can't pull this together until I know what's a win for you. And then I literally feed it all back mm-hmm. and say, okay, so you want this and you want that and you'd like the money by then. And, um, you know, you want your grandma to live in the house for an extra month. And, you know, you'd like this much money and you'd like it by the end of the month. And this is, you want it to look like this and you're going, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Yep. So by doing that, we really demonstrate two things. We demonstrate number one, that I heard them, I'm listening. And, uh, most importantly that I'm an advocate. So you can either be an advocate or an adversary, right? This wolf of wall street guy comes Mm -hmm. in. He's like, Oh, that house, I'll give you 300 cash, 300 cash, take it right now. Right. And they're pushy and they're trying to get their own thing. And even if it works, the other person feels like they lost. The other person feels taken advantage Mm. of. So I want to structure the communication, the sale such that they say, yes, yes, I'd like that one. Yeah. Can I have this one right here? I I want them. I like the opt in sale rather than like twist their arm behind their back. Okay, I'll take it. I don't want that kind of relationship. I want the one where they're like, yeah, I want that one. Yeah. High five. Thanks, man. That's the one I Mm. let's say you're on the other side like the example that you just gave right yeah could i as well summarize what you said on your behalf so if you're asking me these questions and you're like oh matthew like this is what you want as far as financing do i hear you correctly and i'm like yes joel yeah like that is what i i'm looking after but let me see if i understand you you also want to sell blah, blah, blah. And can I kind of do a conclusion for you as well to make you feel comfortable? Sure. Most people, uh, you know, if you're talking about a salesperson, entrepreneur, and a prospect, a potential client, usually the potential client doesn't have the, the awareness to do such a thing, right? They're not trying to put me at ease. Yeah. Yeah, no, no. I was, I was, I was thinking of that, like, as you were saying that, I'm like, I know I'm going to ask this, but I don't know if it's like, because when you're like being pitched, you're like, you're the one that has to like be more like acquiesced than like mm. me acquiescing to you. Yeah, I, I'm I'm not nuts about the concept of pitching and being pitched. That always feels like a circus sideshow snake oils kind of thing. Like, I don't really want to pitch. I don't really have a pitch, you know, like, yeah. Like even uh, real estate agents, real estate brokers, they say, um, you know, I, I have a listing presentation. Uh, it's not a presentation. I'm not going to go tap dance for them, right? I'm going to I'm going to go facilitate a discovery conversation. Hey, I'm Joel. Thanks for inviting me over. I got a little bit from you on the phone. Uh, you said you'd like to sell the house, and you got a new job in San Diego, and it starts in three months. Yep. Okay. Well, uh, let's let's talk about how to make this win. Like, you know, what do you owe on the house? Okay, what roughly, what do you think it's worth? Are there anything about the house that's not obvious that I didn't see? Is there any problems that, you know, I haven't noticed yet? Do you think it'll pass a pest inspection? 
Is there any maintenance that needs to be done? Mm -hmm. So, you know, what, what do we have? I'm, I'm still, maybe this is my, my engineer training. Like I have no idea how to solve any problem until I know what the problem is. Mm. And the fact that somebody wants to sell their house, that's small. But the real thing is, you know, by when, and does the house need anything, and what's their time frame, and right? I, the more of that stuff I can gather, uh, the easier it is to solve it. So with brokers working with real estate investors, what's the best way for new real estate investors to go about establishing relationships with brokers? This is a, that's a really tough question, uh, and I've been on both sides of the fence. I've been a new real estate investor, and uh, I've been a seasoned real estate investor, and I've been a new real estate agent and a new real estate broker and a seasoned real estate broker, right? I've been on all sides of that. So the really tough part for a new investor to get a relationship with a broker is new investors have a reputation for needing a lot of stuff and never pulling the trigger, right? So, man, if I, I'm not kidding. If I had a dollar for every time that somebody said, hey, I'm a real estate investor and I'm looking for X, Y, Z. And I send them a bunch of stuff and you know, I follow up with them and they're acting kind of bizarre and whatever. And I'm, I finally go, so tell me about, you know, tell me about your, now what I do is I say, oh, you're an investor. Awesome. What kind of things have you bought? What kind of properties have you bought? Like, what have you bought in the last five years? And if they're honest and they go, nothing, right? That's different than somebody who says, you know, I own 300 units, mm-hmm. right? Because I know the guy who owns 300 units knows what he's doing. He's got funding. He's got access. He's got experience. He knows what he do- he's doing. And a new real estate investor, there's a lot of people that got an audio course and printed up business cards and they think they're a real estate investor, but they've never done it before. So my advice to them is to be dead honest, dead honest, right? And not show up and like, hi, I'm a real estate investor. Here's my card. Yeah. Like, you know, they should say, hey, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a blah, 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 right? I'm a maintenance man over at the whatever. And I've saved up a little bit of money and I've read about investing and I'm looking for a broker to help me make my first investment. You know, I, I have this much money. I qualified for that much in a loan. And, um, you know, I'd like to buy something Maybe a light fixer I could put some sweat equity into and, you know, hold, I'd like to hold a rental or I'd like to, you know, be in and out of it in a couple of months and fix, I'm going to fix it up myself and God, if I can make 20 or 30 grand, that'd be awesome. Could you help me find something like that? Like honest, but what most new real estate investors do is they call and go, Hey, I'm an investor. Can you send me every good deal you have? Yeah. Look, if I have an amazing deal, I'm taking yeah. it. Right. I'm keeping it. Yeah. But, you know, if somebody's honest and they go, hey, look, I'm new and I'm looking for this is what I think I can handle. This is what I have. This is what I feel comfortable taking down. Um, you know, would you help me do that? I'll help that guy all day long. I'll find it for him mm. for sure. Right. So that that's the thing. Yeah. And I, I always tell people that, you know, following up and having consistency, you know, one of the things that we pride ourselves on, you know, is if let's say we have our investment criteria and, the broker sends us, you know, something out of our ballpark. And we say like, yeah. Hey, listen, like, thank you for sending us 300 units, but our wheelhouse is between 100 and 200 units. You know, this is our investment criteria again. And then he knows, oh, okay. Like now I know not to send them this unit or this much, this many units or blah, 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 specifying yeah. the criteria. And then he might send us something else again, but always kind of being on like the frame of mind and then you're kind of developing a relationship because as a new real estate investor, like 
let's think about it. You want to close a deal as a broker. Like you want, you want to get paid and you're going to go with John Smith over here who you've closed five deals with and you're going to give him the, the feast of, you know, the cream of the crop. Like why would you throw me a bone as a new real estate investor? You know? So I think that, well, you'd get, you'd get a second string or a third string opportunity, like the very best ones. I mean, if I find something that's just like, Oh my God, I'm going to buy it. If I find something that's pretty good that I'm not going to buy, I'll give it to my favorite investor. Mm -hmm. But you know, there's going to be something that's going to be, you know, too small or a crappy part of town or blah, blah, blah. And like, eh, I don't really want that one. Great. I'll, I'll, I'll find a new investor that's willing to put in the sweat equity and I'll help them get through it. I mean, you know, unless you were born into a gob of money, most people start small. I mean, as well, you should, right? You don't want to, you don't want to walk in inexperienced and try to take down an elephant, you know, I mean, that's a good way to go bankrupt. You know, that's, I've seen a lot of people get in over their head and they, you know, they, they buy something because they can just pull it together and then holy shit, I have to fix it. I have to repair it. I need a permit. And then, you know, they, they get stuck. Mm. So yeah, I don't want that to happen to anybody either. So if you could give us one thing as far as when you initially meet a broker, what would it be to establish rapport? So, um, that's God, that's a, that's not a super short answer. (laughs) So obviously, obviously, you know, I, I, I teach a workshop. Uh, on communication. The workshop is called the language of agreement. It's pretty much how to be in agreement and how to avoid conflict. And uh, I also call it resistance free sales, right? I don't like to argue. I don't want to fight. Fighting doesn't solve anything besides who's bigger and faster and meaner. Uh, That's not a solution for me. So through this workshop, every single week, we focus a little bit on rapport and then a little bit on language and communication, negotiations, whatever. So how do you get in rapport? You get in rapport pretty quickly just by listening to how somebody speaks. So consider everybody speaks a little bit differently. Some people speak really loud. Some people speak really slow. You know, some people cuss like a sailor. Some people don't, whatever. And so the thing that triggers rapport in the subconscious mind is similarity, right? So if, when you and I got on this, this call half an hour ago, whatever it was, and uh, I said, uh, hey, Matthew, hey, thanks for having me on the show. And you would have said, yeah, right on, man. I would have gone like, holy shit, what, what podcast am I on? <laughs> so, you know, if, if somebody answers the phone and they say, uh, hello, ABC Realty, this is Fred. And you go, uh, hey, man, uh, right, you're, you're, you're out of rapport. So this person, every person communicates inside what I call a a context box, right? They speak the way they speak. How do they speak? Well, the way their family spoke, the way their parents spoke, whoever house trained them, they learned the right way to communicate by their family. And so that's the style of communication that they are the most comfortable. It's their comfort zone, right? So if you're in the deep South and people say, Hey, um, come on in and you go, okay, great. Let's come on in. Right. You're, you're labeling yourself as not, you're labeling yourself as a foreigner to their tribe, which makes them uncomfortable. So the key to get into rapport is to get out of that and speak, literally speak the way they speak. If they go, uh, Hey, come on in. You want to have a cup of coffee? I go, yeah, that'd be great. I'd love one. 
So I want to like be in sync with how they communicate. And when, when they see that I'm, when their subconscious registers that I'm not a threat, they register me as part of the tribe they stop defending themselves. Mm. Right. And then real communication can happen. Mm. But if, if I speak really contrary to their comfort zone, then the subconscious is saying, who is this? Where, where are you from? What are you doing? You're not part of, you're not one of my people. What? And then they start putting up defense mechanisms. Mm. And, and that's when we start getting objections. And, no, no, no. Right. So think about it. When I, I know you have, and I, I'm 100% sure everyone listening to this has had the experience where somebody calls their, their phone in the evening. Right. I get a phone call six, seven o'clock at night and I go, uh, hello. And somebody says, Hello, this is Chip from AT&T, and we have a special deal. Blah, 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 blah. And right, I, somebody's you know trying to pitch me some nonsense, and they're not listening. And I'm like, hold on a second, hold on. And they're like, blah, 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 blah. they're not listening. They're just pitching. So the question is, is that pitch about me, the customer, or is it about that salesperson trying to manipulate me? It's the salesperson. So how do we get around that? Is don't, don't do that to people. Yeah. You know, don't do that to people instead, you know, show up open to be in their world. Mm. And if, if your client's a little old lady and I go, Hey, this is Joel Rico and I'm calling about that house, right? I'm over. Mm. If it's a little old lady, I'm going to say, Oh, hello. <sighs> Lovely to meet you. Um, will you tell me a little bit about the house? Right? Because that's their comfort zone. And so in every conversation, especially the two-way conversation, especially a sales conversation, one of you is going to be a little bit uncomfortable. And I'm recommending that, that you volunteer for the position to be the one to get out of your comfort zone such that your client can remain in their comfort zone mm. because that's where they make decisions. Mm. Yeah. I think that's great as far as having the uh... – level of openness and i think when you have an openness you're, you're more likely to find a common ground yeah then if you are okay i'm gonna go in there and this is what i'm gonna say i'm not gonna bend i'm not gonna break and <laughs> then, then, then you're already not even thinking like okay this guy wants to sell his house within 60 days or blah 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 and i'm just like okay like i'm I'm 45 and I'm out and blah, 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 blah. And it's like, okay, yep. you're not, you're, you're completely shut off. So I think that's very valuable for everybody yep. that's listening, you know, being a, having a, a, a level of openness and receptiveness and, you know, matching and finding common ground and tonalities yep. and, you know, really adjust to your surroundings. I find that very, yes. very, very valuable. So yeah, I, I mean, well said. Well said. Yeah, I really want to fit into the surroundings. Yeah. Right. So as, as a broker, if I'm selling a house in the best neighborhood in town, I take the car to the car wash and I put on a suit, <laughs> you know, and tie the whole bit. And if I'm selling country property, you know, I wear jeans and I drive my truck. Mm. Right. Because if I go to the country property, I'm selling a 20 acre ranch on the outskirts of town and I show up in an Armani suit, <laughs> not going to hire me. <laughs> You know, I wear a nice pair of jeans and a button-down shirt and look, you know, like pseudo-professional. Yeah. Right? Because that's I'm, I'm fitting in. Mm. 
Love that. Love that. Yeah, that's the key. Nice. Well, I want to uh, yeah. I want to uh, transition to the uh, final closing uh, questions. Sure. So, first question we have is, what is your favorite book to regift? Wow. Um, what's my favorite book to regift? I'm a fairly voracious reader with quite the library. Love to hear. I I tend not to have just a book to regift. What I generally do is just like we're talking about in sales. I'm going to back up one second. You said, hey, if you go in close-minded, I'm 45, I'm going to do this. I'm going to... That proves that you're not listening. That demonstrates you're not listening. So before I would gift anybody a book, I would listen and see what they're up to and what are they working on and where do they feel stuck. And I might say, you know, you might really like this book. And I re-gift a lot of books, but not one book blanket for everybody. I think I re-gift books depending on what that person feels like they need. Okay, I'm going to hold your feet to the fire. Sure. You got to give me one book. It could be anything. It doesn't have to it doesn't have to be real estate investing. I think one of the most powerful books in this genre for salespeople to kind of wrap their mind around this concept is a book called What to Say When You Talk to Yourself. Okay. What to Say When You Talk to Yourself. The author's name is Helmstetter, Chad Helmstetter. Hmm. And it's, you know, most people are self-deprecating and they say, oh, I'm never going to make it. And, you know, every time we speak, we are hypnotizing ourselves. Everything we say, we're programming our subconscious. And so, you know, if you're saying like, oh, this doesn't work and that's going to, and this is really hard and that's your outcome because you've programmed it. So mm-hmm. this book, What to Say When You Talk to Yourself, literally transforms the way in which we communicate with ourselves and only then can you transform the way in which you communi- we communicate with others. It's a great book. Second question. If you were to give a TEDx talk, what would it be on? Good one, too. I think just human communications and, like, the idea of how, like, I'm fascinated in how other animals talk to each other and how dogs communicate. And so I think the most of the things that go sideways in the way people communicate is they don't listen and they misunderstand each other. And so my training as an engineer, I I learned something really interesting that engineers don't argue. They speak like blueprints. They go, here's the plan. And the other one goes, wow, wait, how did you do this? This doesn't make sense. Explain that to me. They go, okay, like this. And they, there's, they don't argue. And so there's this kind of cleanliness and clarity in getting a point across and then getting some feedback and clarifying the feedback and this, this kind of active conversation thing. Yeah, I, I, I think that most problems are not problems. They're just not being communicated in a way that people get it. So I'm sure something about that, something about listening to. I think most people are so trying to say what they get my point across, get my point across. And the other person goes, yeah, but they don't hear that. They, they're still getting their point across. So, yeah, something about that. Question three. Great, great question. Yeah. I'm, 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 and if you could hook me up for a TED Talk, I'll, <laughs> I'll, that'd be awesome. Thanks, <laughs> and maybe I will be able to. Uh, question yeah. three. What is a pain point or weakness you face right now in your business? A pain point or a weakness? Um, uh, this last year, I had some really crazy, unexpected health issues. I had some strange virus that they never figured out what it was. And it shut down my liver and it shut down my heart. I spent a lot of time in ICU and I'm literally just getting back up and around and on my feet. So I've lost a tremendous amount of momentum. And I, I've literally taken a year off because I was 
couldn't get out of bed. I just couldn't function. I'm, it's, it's really a challenge for me to back up at, kind of at the beginning because it's so long ago that I was doing the things I'm doing now. Yeah, all the, the details and the paperwork and all that stuff. I'm like, I want to give that away as fast as I can because it's not my strong suit. Mm. So, uh, and then also doing multiple things, right? I'm an investor. I'm a real estate broker. I, you know, I teach this language of agreement workshop. I'm, you know, I have a lot on my plate and it's hard to be great at everything when I'm doing so many things. So mm. I, I feel like I'm trying to keep a lot of plates spinning as I'm just getting my health back. Well, we're, we're glad, we're glad you're here and you, you're looking, <laughs> you're looking, you're looking, you're looking strong. You're looking strong. So I'm coming back. Yeah. Thanks. So lastly, uh, we, uh, on real estate journeys, we are, we're value driven podcasts. We'd like to give back to the audience at the end of the show, whether that's a free PDF, a checklist or something along those lines. And I believe we have a, uh, document for you for a, uh, discount code. Is that correct? Yeah, so I, I sent you a little one-page thing, and it's just maybe a couple of uh, recaps of some of the basic things we talked about today, about structuring some rapport, structuring some agreement, um, and then a couple little catchphrases like uh, you know how to find common ground and how to acknowledge that. And then at the very bottom, there's a, a discount code for your listeners. Uh, uh, the discount code is JOURNEYS, and if anybody wants to sign up for my training, the next one launches this week on Thursday. And it's uh, 12 weeks long. It's an hour a week for 12 weeks. It's all done on the phone. People call in from you know, USA and Canada and brokers from all over the place. And uh, it's live training on how to be a ninja communicator. And it's not just say, I mean, it's focused on sales, but awesome. you know, it'll, it'll fix the relationship with your wife and kids and friends. And it just clears all the nonsense out of the way in which we communicate with each other. Uh, sales focused for sure. For sure. We'll love it. Well, guys, if you want to head over and grab that document, you can head on over to rejpodcast.com, click on free investor swag, and you'll be able to get that discount code along with the PDF there for you guys. Well, Joel, I just want to thank you again for being on the show once again, and we'll catch you on the next go around, my friend. Awesome. Thanks for having me, Matthew. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to Real Estate Journeys, guys. Your support is greatly appreciated, and if you found this content to be enjoyable, valuable, or entertaining in any way, please head on over to iTunes, subscribe, leave a comment, and a five-star review. Peace!